Story Guys, it is a fake game show podcast where the stories are real, but the points we give each other are totally false. I'm Murdoch, and he's Brian. And we like to start the show with Story of the Week. That's a story we've encountered in real life that we find uh, particularly inspiring or hilarious. Uh, not something we came up with. Uh, maybe something someone told us. Maybe something we watched or read. Mine comes from my wife, who uh, has been on a business trip. And, you know, she travels a lot um, and recently was at a hotel at five o'clock in the morning and heard. And she's not supposed to have anyone in her room with her because I'm not there. And she's like, what is happening? And it will not stop. And it just keeps happening. She's jarred awake five o'clock in the morning, which to me sounds terrifying. Though when she tells the story, she acts like it's hilarious. So she goes and looks through the peephole and there is a naked man. Oh, in the hallway, <laughs> banging on the door, just over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Oh. And she's like, "What do I do?" So she, I, I, I okay, I have, a, me, I have me, a guess, but I want you to keep going. Let me say, here's what I would do: I would just stand there and be like, "What do I do?" <laughs> but yeah. what she does is pick up the phone and call hotel security, right? And they come and haul the guy off. End of story. Until three days later, when she realizes. That part of the group, the conference group that she's there with, yeah, this guy was part of that group. And now she encounters him at, like, cocktails. <laughs> so he got locked out. He got, I, he got that, something, but why is he naked? Like, wait, it's not like shared bathrooms in the, yeah. down the hall, like your dorms in college. Like, I have no, I have so many questions. I don't have all of them answered, but I'm hoping that maybe there will be an addendum to this. But yeah, let me just tell you, that's the story of the week. I would have said, wrong room. <laughs> that seems like a simple answer yeah i don't know though if if you're female though do you want to reveal that you're a female in that room like i i I, I don't know wrong room my husband's gonna murder you (laughs) (laughs) wow okay so what's your story of the week oh my story of the week so brian it also er involves buns right yes so brian earlier (laughs) thank you brian earlier in the week whenever it was the week seems like it was 17 weeks long um, sends me this article, this this long food article. It's a real think piece. It, it is it, a real food, think piece. For food, like if you like food and you can deal with this, man, it is a think piece for sure. And he goes, I want to get your take on it. And the, the title of the article is, They Like That Soft Bread, which is a direct quote from Vic, who owned Vic and Bill's in Knoxville, Tennessee, where I went to college. And it's true. So... The whole article is really about there's this thing in all these delis. There was Corner Deli, Gus's Good Times Deli, Vic and Bill's, and several of these other delis that were in Knoxville. And you'd order a ham and cheese sandwich, and they put it in a fresh-o-matic steamer. For Ugh, note, what's that do to the bread? It makes it like soft and soggy. And you get a ham and cheese, and... Uh, that's it, and I. So is that good? I read the article and I remembered that I haven't had one since I got my cap and gown. Like I've been back there a bunch, but there's never been like a reason where it's like, "Hey, baby, can we go to Gus's Good Times Deli so I can get a <laughs> steamed ham and cheese sandwich?" Like it's not a thing that's come up before. Like now, it's <laughs> on the table. And I used to get cheese fries too, and I'm curious about whether they put the cheese fries in the steamer too, because the cheese fries were like that was like the most amazing thing. So ever. we used to, we we did that at Sonic. So I worked at Sonic as a as a teenager, and we would steam the because I had totally forgotten about the steamer drawer. But now you're describing it, and I remember where it was in the kitchen. And you would go and you would put things, you would slide them in there, and you'd yeah. shut it, and then they would have that big black handle, and you would, and you would just 
Yeah. Yeah. So, but I wanted to read the quote where the title uh, came from. So Vic and Bill's was this institution in Knoxville. It's no longer there. And it was above the carousel, which was a, a gay bar that let out at three o'clock in the morning, which is a great place to be at three o'clock in the morning. Everyone comes upstairs when it closes and you're hanging out and you're eating up there. And I was always, always, I would always get a pizza burger and they had a microphone with a real crappy PA and they'd say, Mark, the pizza burger's ready. Mark, the pizza burger's ready. You know, and just <laughs> terrible, whatever. Um, and there would be like, like college students, like vomit thing. Like just, it, it was what you would think. But in the early eighties, they had punk rock shows there. They had black flag, dead Kennedys and stuff. And they mentioned that in the article, but this is the quote from, uh, from one of the owners of Vic and Bill's up in Yankee land. They like those cold sandwiches and some of them up there heat the sandwiches up in pizza ovens or rotisserie ovens. Captain says from behind his counter, hillbillies down here. They like that soft bread. That's where the name of the article <laughs> they, came from. They like that soft bread. Shout out to Bitter Southerner, who keeps putting out fantastic, fantastic stuff. I actually read another thing. I believe it was a Bitter Southerner piece um, about food specifically in northwest Arkansas, where I lived for a long time, um, that someone had gone back to a food, like a food expo there or something, and talked about the immigrant populations and what they've done to the food culture there, and then what it what happens when you have large corporations like Walmart and J.B. Hunt and Tyson influencing, you know, the the population by who comes to work for those companies. And it, it's all very, very interesting and well done. And yeah, Bitter Southerners got some good stuff. Yeah. So Vic from Vic and Bill's was from Greece. And there was a guy uh, who had a diner called Moe's that I used to go to um, in college. And I don't know if it's just called Moe's Diner. Or it's just Moe's, and it was out in South Knoxville, like kind of in a scary, like it was scary then. But Mo was, I, I thought he was from Egypt, not exactly sure, but um, his whole family lived behind the restaurant. And uh, he busted me one time. I used to go there all the time, man, for a couple of reasons, and I'll, I'll illustrate it by what he said to me one of the last times I was there, uh, I came in and he's like, my friend, you always bring the most beautiful girls into my restaurant. And I was like, Dude. <laughs> really, man? Thanks, Mo. Uh, speaking of beautiful girls, it's a great transition to uh, let's talk about cheesy songs from the 70s. Those are our story starters for this week. Um, and let me tell you, there are some good ones. Uh, the way this works, if you've never listened to the show before, is that we throw a whole bunch of song titles into a bag, and then we pick one, and that is what we use to inspire the story we tell each other. And uh, Cheesy sounds of the 70s. There are, like, that should be a Time Life collection. So we've got uh, <laughs> You Light Up My Life. Oh, Debbie Boone. Nobody knew what that song was about if you, if you didn't go to church. <laughs> I had the 45. Didn't know who it was about. Uh, Muskrat Love, the captain, and Tennille. Let's talk about Tennille, baby. Uh, what? Also, uh, Starland Vocal Band's Afternoon Delight. I'm going to throw that in there. we got to keep this uh, family friendly. Well, good luck um, with that. It's, uh, wow. Uh, Escape by uh, Rupert Holmes. Oh, the Pina Colada song? The Pina Colada song. Everybody knows that. Um, and then we'll also, th- we'll also throw in uh, Puppy Love by uh, Donnie Osmond. I feel uh, like that needs uh, to be in there. By Paul Anka, by uh, Dolly Parton. Well, I mean, Paul Anka did a, yes, but also there was a great Donny Osmond version. A lot of people are going to know that version. Uh, I, additionally, let's just go, with, let's throw in some weird ones. How about Billy Don't Be a Hero? <laughs> and, Ugh, do you I know anyone named Billy? I hate that song. <laughs> throw in some Terry Jacks. There's, I mean, there's all kinds of, these are mostly just all pulled from the Rolling Stone readers poll of the 10 worst songs of the 70s. <laughs> so oh. that's that's what we're going to use. Okay, so let's drag 
not Billy Don't Be a Hero, please. No. Pup, puppy love. <laughs> oh, I got one for this. All right. So I log on to Facebook the other night, and I see a picture of a, a, a woman I used to work with, and she is at the Ryman Auditorium for a Brandy Carlisle concert. And in the lobby, she bumps into Amy Grant. And I know who you work with because I saw that photograph, and man, how cool. That's six nights at the Ryman, by the way, that Brandy Carlisle's doing. Well, good for her. Yeah. First of all, Brandy Carlisle, Give Up the Ghost, one of the greatest records. Um, anyway, so uh, I it was really funny to me because I had a, a very visceral reaction. Like, people post pictures with celebrities on Facebook all the time, right? And you're like, oh, cool, whatever. That one, I was like, oh my gosh. And I realized, like, it's funny that I'm having this funny, gushing reaction. What, do you, what, what is that? Where did it come from? And then it was even more fun to look at how many people and people that I knew who also had this gushing reaction about Amy Grant. Amy Grant's not an artist that you walk in a room and you're like, well, let's talk about how much we all love Amy Grant. But, like, I'm finding that a lot of people have this unspoken love of her and I think we forget pop culturally what a big influence she was even in certain circles now I have a very specific relationship with her because you know she started as as a, as a Christian artist I right. mean her Christianity was the first thing you heard about she was a very early in that game along with a guy named Michael W. Smith who you may or may not remember from a hit in the uh, early 90s called Place in This World <laughs> do you remember that song? I don't but I'm this very Place in This World that oh, was amazing he also had a song early that was a big hit with Christians called Friends. Because friends are friends forever if the Lord's the Lord of them and a friend will not say never and the welcome will not end and it's hard to let you go in the Father's hands we know. I mean, just a I, lot of I was much more familiar with references. The, with the singer-songwriter that had a song called Enemies. There we go. <laughs> yeah, this very nice song about friends. I'm oh. like, all the songs, oh, gotcha. all the, everything I listen to is just angry. There's none of that. Did Michael W. Smith have giant girl hair and wear mascara? No, he did not. Um, so, uh, anyway, it was very funny in this uh, in this thread of people, you know, waxing poetic about Amy Grant. I said something about um, being a preacher's kid. She was a very um, she was like an early crush for me. Like, I mean, it's just, you know, it was a female celebrity that I was around. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and someone somewhat associated in the production of this podcast, um, actually commented under it and said, no, she was my first crush. And so we were going back and forth oh. about the, having this conversation about a, a childhood love of Amy Grant and kind of an infatuation as a, as a small child with just who she was and you know I mean she was very much brought up as this like poster child of like this you know pristine church girl and she got in later in her career when she decided to divorce her husband and marry Vince Gill it was like a scandal yeah. in, in the Christian world but that's not where we're going with the story instead I remembered was I was like why do I have such a relationship with her and her music besides just the church aspect and the fact that like she was part of that culture and and I remember a couple things about her. One is I remember how much we listened to the Amy Grant Christmas album as a kid. And I remember yeah. g- driving to cut down Christmas trees with that on the car stereo. Like I vividly remember. And like there's certain songs like Grown Up Christmas List and Mary Did You Know that I really only know her versions of. Um, but then the other thing, it goes back farther than that to me being a very little kid. I'm thinking seven or eight. And... My my older sister, who would have been early teenage-ish years, was had heart in motion. 
Now, Heart in Motion is the is the album. Yes. With Baby Baby on it. Yep. And that's like, if you just know anything about Amy Grant at all, that's probably what you know, mm-hmm. which is, baby, baby, you put my heart in motion, um, which was a, which it holds up. I'm just going to say, holds up as a, as a hot jam. Yeah. Um, what's your relationship with that song? Um, I just remember, like, I remember it very well. And so I don't know, I found out I had her Christian music after that. Right, so, so she was backwards. she was in in that sphere of Christian music. She was what you call a crossover artist, which That's, means she crossed over yes. the divide, yeah. the into darkness the, of secular into the abyss of the secular, and uh, where like Ozzy lives. Yeah, I mean, she might have run into Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> if she wasn't careful. You did like you know there were bats flying around without heads. It was yeah. crazy, or you know just at Starbucks. Yeah, <laughs> in Malibu, you know. Hi, hey, Amy. Hi, I'm Joshua. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, I mean, people were really only of him because they knew if they ran into him in public they wouldn't be able to understand him it actually had nothing to do with the bats um so anyway this all led me to as i thought about heart and motion i suddenly remembered i remembered carrie so so carrie was a friend of my sister actually this whole family was a we were friends of the family right you know like those people you like our parents were friends and they'd bring their kids over and they had several girls and I don't remember how many I want to say three or four but the only ones I remember are the one that was my age and the one that was my sister's age and the one that was my sister's age is four years older than me is Carrie very curious if my sister remembers any of this so we lived in this little farmhouse when we first moved to this small town in Indiana and I remember we were friendly with this family and they came over one summer afternoon they all brought their bathing suits I've got to be eight she's probably 11 or 12 thinking and I remember that we decided on this summer afternoon to set up a slip and slide down a hill Mm. and Blair heart in motion. <laughs> so this is what I remember doing, right? Okay. Um, that we would start at the top of the hill and we would like, we were listening to the whole record, not just baby, baby, but songs like good for you and Galileo. And anyone that knows this album knows there are some great jams. And honestly, if I looked at the track listing, which I'm not doing, that came from memory. I think that I could figure out what song might've been playing at this moment. But I remember, I mean, and this is kind of weird because we're talking like eight and 12, but I remember that Carrie, I don't know if she thought she was doing me a favor. She was always a little flirty. Right. And I remember going down the slip and slide and her coming down the other side of the slip and slide and like kissing me on the cheek as she went by and like winking at me. What? Yeah, I know. Right, 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 right. Like now I think about this and I'm like, this is all kind of strange. And I think to her, it was probably just like innocent, like my friend's little brother thing. Right. Um, but man, that rocked my world. And Amy Grant was happening at the same time. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean, I don't remember, I mean, I don't really remember much of anything about this family or this girl. Or, and I would be interested to talk to my sister about if she was, if she ever kept in touch with this girl. Because I don't really, I don't remember much other than this that. like defining moment of a kiss on the cheek from a pretty girl who was older than me while Amy Grant was playing. At eight, man, all I remember is like having a relationship with like an albuterol inhaler. You know, like that's that's such a great that's such a great moment. At eight, nothing. I got I got nothing at eight. Wow, that ding was to signify how good your analogy, your relationship with an albuterol inhaler. So, I mean, what was what was the first time that you like had that innocent encounter, that puppy dog, that puppy love moment? 
What was, what was the first time? Are you stumped? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So when was the first time that you you really felt like you were in love? Um, like, I, but like, I'm not talking about serious relationship in love, like person you marry. I'm talking about like in college or in high school when you're like, I think, oh, I think I'm in love. I have realized as I've gotten older that I think that I was interested in girls much earlier than, I mean, to your point of what you're talking about, the albuterol inhaler, I think I was interested <laughs> in girls a lot earlier than a lot of boys were like i mean i didn't understand how any of it worked but i just always thought they were pretty cool and i always hung i mean we both talked about how we hung out with girls a lot yeah it was only it was mainly girls so it's really hard for me to pinpoint when that first was i guess do you think that's because you hung out with girls so much you didn't think about romantic no i i think that i over romanticized it so it was very difficult, like... When you actually smelled like bad breath to be like, oh, <laughs> well, surely Tani Katane doesn't ever have bad breath. <laughs> of course not. Uh, no, but I, I think that... I think that my perception of what those relationships were like at some times, I think that they were false, that I thought that maybe those relations... Like, those friend relationships were not just friend relationships, but they really were. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the friend zone? Yeah. Oh. And I just... And I didn't I didn't understand it for a very long time. Oh, man. So I would... So I would have these sort of, like, overpowering feelings, and it happened a lot, and they were... They weren't reciprocal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh that happened a bunch this you know what would happen to me i would have i would have dreams like and again this is all don't assign things about this where it like to make it like hyper you know but older older i'm talking about as a kid having like a very innocent dream that would involve someone who like i had never really thought like just somebody i knew from school or whatever and then because we they would have a dream and we would like be hanging out or someone i mean it was always very innocent and then i would the next day i'd wake up and be like I think that's the love of my life. <laughs> and then, I'm like, for years, I had two specific crushes that I remember that started that way, which were, I would just have a random dream about, like, hanging out at school with so-and-so, and then I'd be like, this means something. So I think, to your point, it's like yeah. it's like some naivety and some lack of experience where, and then you, you don't know how to equate it with anything that's real, and so you just, like, overblow it. And the person, yeah. meanwhile, is like, I don't know, you're kind of fun to hang out with. Like, you tell funny jokes, and, like, they're just along for the ride because you're funny. Right. And you're taking it as, like, I think we're going to get married. Yeah, I, th- I think that um, lots of lots of crushes, but none of them are over significant than the rest for me. They were all the same. Yeah, like in retrospect, like at the time it was heavy, but in retrospect they really were all the same because they were like unrequited. Basically. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, I had two. I had two big ones. Yeah. Uh, one was all through elementary school and one was all through high school. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't. I had a serious girl in high school, a serious girlfriend in high school, mm-hmm. um, and that was probably the first time I thought I was in love for sure. Yeah, I guess so. In in high school. Yeah, yeah. I guess that would. What be was it. your What was your song that you would like dedicate? Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was that was. Uh, you needed me by Anne Murray. Anne Murray. Oh yeah. You went Canadian on me. Yeah. Anne Murray is what yeah. you're gonna. Oh yeah, that song. That song's that song's terrific. Of all the hair metal you listened to, Anne Murray was the song you were going to use to woo someone with. 
Yeah, well, I mean, what hair metal song would you like listen? Like, don't you love Uncle Tom's Cabin by Warrant, baby? <laughs> like, what? I mean, there's a certain point when you make a. There's a certain point when you have to make some type of sacrifice in your head when you realize, like, okay, well, this is very male-oriented music, and these are things that we both can like together. But I always liked Dan Murray. You didn't like Ann Murray? My mom loves Ann Murray. Yeah. I had no about Ann Murray because of the cassettes mom would keep in the minivan that were like, Ann Murray's greatest hits. They have infomercials for Ann Murray. Like, that's how, like... Is Ann Murray still alive? Yes. Oh. They made fun of her in South Park. Yeah, I mean... The movie. As they also did Brian Adams. It was in the Blame Canada song that was up for an Oscar. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, Blame Canada. Well, so, Ann Murray, that's a strong pick. Did that ever work? Yeah, it, mean, was, do, it was a song. It was a people, song. Yeah, was that a hit at the time? Seventies. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say. But so I, you're going like ten years back. Yeah, sure. So one of my favorite movies from la- from last year, and I wrote about this at wearethestoryguys.com, is Blinded by the Light. It's about a, a kid discovering Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, in an immigrant environment, it's beautiful. But there is something that you have to know, and I have to like really make sure people understand when they see that movie is that it takes place in '87, and by '87, mm-hmm. Springsteen to a teenager was not cool anymore. No, no, and so. So like I'm imagining you as the the one in Murray fan in your high school. It's like, but really, yeah. do, you, do you hear what she has to say about love on track three? Yeah, the mullet was gone. <laughs> So the mullet with Anne Murray. Your mullet or hers? Mine. The mullet would have been terrible with Anne Murray. This is the greatest conversation we've ever had. Don't you like Snowbird by Anne Murray? (laughs) That song's so pretty. Do I need to play Anne Murray? Does that need to happen? Right. What is what is your Anne Murray jam? It's Snowbird. Uh, yeah, yeah, Snowbird. Oh my gosh! How do you not know that song? I mean, I probably do, but I it's, unfortunately, it, I'm. It's a Christmas. It's like a Christmas song, but it's not in the canon of like all the crap that they play on the radio when there's like it's well, Christmas twenty four seven. No one plays this jam, dude. No one. No one spins Snowbird. So I do have a recollection of her as a. Um, as a Christmas artist, like that's really what I yes. think of her as, because we were big on Christmas music. We always talked about Amy Grant. This is, this is your jam. This isn't what you dedicate. No, no, no. no, you, no. Okay. This is just. If I'm talking Anne Murray, this is the Anne Murray song. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do need to remember that. Oh. I, as Canadian as she is, there is something that seems a little Tennessee about this too. I mean, she was she, she was marketed as a country artist. She was right? marketed as a country artist, but but also it was like as a pop artist too. But yeah, she was she, she was. A, oh, did she cross over? Did she yeah. run into Ozzy Osbourne at the Starbucks? <laughs> that's, that's my new favorite way of explaining like what musical crossover? crossovers. Yeah. I I am Murray. Yeah. <laughs> we're at the same we're at the same party. She gets a frappuccino. Yeah. Uh, oh and man, this is awesome. So what's the what's the name of the and Murray song that you were dedicating to Oh, you, you needed me. Yeah. You needed me. Okay, yeah. hold on. I got it. It's down tempo. I need this. Yeah, I mean, it's going It's going to slow everything down. Well, I know that you, you you're not, you already told me you didn't dedicate Uncle Tom's cabin. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. So, Which might be my favorite Warrant song. Yeah, Rest I mean, in peace, Janie Lane. Right. Yeah, so, like... What was your move with this song? Did it like just randomly come on when you're like? It was like the it was like a mixtape song. <laughs> yes. And it it was the yeah it was the it was it was yeah it was the song for sure. And so was it like, you know, here's songs I like, and then at the end you stuck the Anne Murray to hope that it like suddenly they were sitting there and they're like, oh, I think Mark loves me. 
Uh, yeah, I mean it works. <laughs> I don't know. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a. So, does your wife know about this move? Have you tried this on? No, the Swedish mistress. No, none of this works with her. No, I, I, she only likes Robin and Abba. No, I, you know none of this works. I'm going as broad as possible on things I know about Swedish I, I, music. Yeah, I know. It was like, I mean, really, like you couldn't, have, you could have went like more stereotypes with the whole thing. Uh, I mean, come on, Robin's great. I, yeah. I did actually say recently on social media, uh, currently underscore jamming uh, on your Instagram, where I just talk about music. That's the only thing I talk about on there, um, and. Uh, I, I posted something about that Robin song from 10 years ago, Dancing With Myself. It's like the maybe the best song of the last decade. When everybody's that, talking about the it, best songs of the decade, it, that is it. it. It was there was there was a list, and I don't know which whether it was Pitchfork or whoever it was, but someone did say it was the number one song of the decade. So it, you, just it is. you just didn't make it up. Like someone else made that. Shut into up! List. I made it up. <laughs> I I'm made just, it up. I'm just telling you, it's true. That so, song is a great tune. So I'm I'm gonna gladly. Award you the points for snowboard, snowbird, or not snowbird for uh, you needed me and Murray. That's a baller move, man. That's <laughs> your puppy love move. Is that? That's unbelievable. I love it. I absolutely love it. I want to point out that this is all pre eighteen, <laughs> pre college, <laughs> before everything went left turn uh, for me. Hey, man, you don't have to explain yourself. We understand that we all go through phases. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I had any crazy. Like, what were the songs that I... Man, I don't know. I, I, the the one song I thought was going to change the world. I, I don't know what that is. The song is going to change the world? Well, it certainly wasn't Anne Murray. I was just using it in the microcosm that was... No, I'm saying the song that was going to change my world as as a oh. lonely teenager. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, you know, so you, the, the, Anne Murray was your move. And, uh, yeah. But I don't know what mine was. Yeah, and I don't know if I bought those metal ballads as ever really meaning anything. <laughs> you were wise beyond your years, because let me tell you, spoiler alert, they don't. They, they don't. <laughs> Anyone that's like, you know what changed my life? Cherry pie. It's like, yeah, yeah, but probably not in the way that it should have. <laughs> no, just the video. Just the video, kid. Uh, well, listen, if you want to get involved with the show, it's wearethestoryguys at gmail.com. You can also check out everything we're doing, wearethestoryguys.com, including live events. I'll be hosting the Ad Fed Awards uh, in the Louisville market. If you are here, that comes up at the end of February. We'll pull all the information there, and we're working on some other stuff that could be pretty cool. And our other podcast. Yeah, Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories. We're super excited about it. We've been telling some fantastic stories, and man, we've got some great ones in the canon ready for mm, you. It's coming for you. It's coming for you, baby. All right, and in the meantime, Time, there's one thing we need you to do. Keep telling stories. Story Guys is a production of Brian Eichenberger and Mark Murdoch. Get more stories, hear more podcasts, and book a guys for your conference or house party at wearethestoryguys.com. Copyright 2020, boy have we got stories productions. All rights reserved.